Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Being a podcaster, I get a lot of different insights into different therapeutics that are coming out that can help the body in unique and different ways. And some of this stuff is new and some of it is just recycled older stuff that's been around for a long time. And somehow what we'll be talking about in this episode has completely slipped my radar and that is PEMFs. What's up everyone, I'm Brian Carroll and I'm here to help people move more, eat well and be adventurous. And today I have Dr. Pollock on the show to teach us all about PEMFs, which are used for a wide variety of different uh, treatment options. And it's something that's been around for, a sounds like a very long time and I just hadn't heard of it up to this point and I knew very little about it. So uh, luckily for me, with my curiosity mindset, I'm able to ask a lot of different questions with these type of things when I don't know much about them, and I wanna know more about the actual applications and how they work and how they function, etc. And so Dr. Pollock is an MD, and he is a pioneer in the field of holistic medicine and PEMF therapies. Uh, His latest book, Supercharge Your Health with PEMFs, is the most comprehensive, practical, hands-on guide to PEMF treatment available to date, discussing how to select and properly use the right PEMF system for over 80 different health conditions and cuts through the online confusion about PEMF devices. In this episode, because we are talking about a lot of different things with PEMFs, I will share in the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 172, a lot of different resources to the different machines he talks about, the different conditions, etc. that PEMF can be helpful for. And some of the stories that he shares with us is pretty uh, unique and interesting. And it reminds me a little bit of my own recovery from a wrist injury that I had. I It's been like 12, 13 years ago now, um, where I had about a 5% chance of having full use of my wrist. And the technology at that time uh, was brand new, and I was in a trial um, for this new technology. And right now I have a fully functioning wrist because of it. So um, I'm very excited to dive in with my conversation with Dr. Pollock. But before we dive into that, if you are on the lookout for an electrolyte, which is very good for hydration purposes, especially right now with colder weather, uh, the air is a lot drier, so you tend to dry out a lot quicker. Um, Hydration is very important for your body to get the the fluids into your tissues to rehydrate your all your tissues and all your cells. The The electrolyte that I really enjoy is Element, L-M-N-T. And if you go to summitforwellness.com slash L-M-N-T, then you can go ahead and get a couple boxes of Element. The flavor I really enjoy is raspberry. Um, I think that's the best flavored one for my taste buds. And I typically don't like flavored water or anything. So um, if you are interested in electrolytes, then head on over to summitforwellness.com slash L-M-N-T. All right, let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Pollock. Thank you, Dr. Pollock, for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to uh, exchanging information with your tribe, with your listeners. Of course, and I'm actually very excited because we're going to be talking about PEMF which I don't know a whole lot about. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about you and what your background is. Sure. Um, I'm a, an MD, 
I, you know, practicing for about 50 years now. I've uh, been doing holistic medicine for about 14, but last 14 or 15 years. And along the way, as an MD, I was a medical director for a, a large, pr pretty large group, around 30 doctors, 30 practitioners of different kinds. And uh, we shared hospital patients. So uh, when you share hospital patients, you know, you don't know what you're going to encounter when you go into the hospital. Um, especially if you haven't been rounding every day, we call it rounding. So uh, we, in a, in a short period of time, we had a couple of patients who were admitted to the hospital with gastric bleeding. Now, where they were bleeding, we had to find out what the source was, and the source in both cases, both of those cases, happened to be gastric bleeding. And the cause in both of those cases was ibuprofen, or what we call non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs. And uh, I told myself, this is insanity, crazy medicine. Right? What's, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, or at least in, in our case, it was expecting no complications or side effects. But in this case, it was alarming because they were admitted into the hospital, means they were sick enough, their blood, their blood counts were so low, one person almost died. I said, okay, I, I can't, this is not right. But, you know, when I looked at what we had um, available to offer people for pain management, that was back in the mid-80s, uh, I realized that we didn't have many choices. We had nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories, we had Tylenol, uh, we had the opioids. And back in the 80s, we were, doctors didn't prescribe opioids very much. That didn't, didn't start happening until about 10 years ago when they were being recommended to prescribe opioids by the government. And that's when the opioid issue really sort of stormed up. Uh, before that, you know, you know, I don't want to prescribe opioids because we knew what the risks were. We knew about the addiction problems way back then. So the only other alternatives then were basically procedures, surgery, or other procedures. And when I looked around at all my peers, all my consultants, all the people that I could refer to for their pain problems, they all had the same solutions. I practiced medicine long enough at that point, I realized there weren't any new solutions for pain. And so I started studying acupuncture. And as a result of my training in acupuncture, I wanted to find other ways of stimulating acupuncture points than using needles. Because at that point, acupuncture was still very new in the US. That was 1990. So people didn't want needles. They didn't understand acupuncture. They, they didn't want, you know, everybody avoided needles as much as possible, you can imagine, even though the needles are hair thin. So I started, I found out that we could use magnets on acupuncture points. And I started using magnets extensively, tried to figure out why they worked, how they worked. And I discovered that magnets on the body work very differently than just on an acupuncture point. They actually healed wounds. They healed lesions, spider bites, insect bites. They would uh, take away the pain locally. So they would do, in other words, they would do the same kinds of things that acupuncture could do on, on points that you could use magnets. Um, and then the question st then started, you know, piping through my head is why? Why is this happening? What's the physiology? What's the what's the mechanism of action that this could happen? And I started working with magnets extensively, started tr trying to find science to back up what we were doing, and couldn't find much. So along the way, I met a doctor, an MD PhD from the Czech Republic, Dr. Jerebek, and he had got his PhD in electromagnetic therapy. And he had translated a lot of the Eastern European literature. So most of the science that we had available to us was actually in obscure journals in the Soviet Union and in, in Russian or the Cyrillic language. 
So in other words, it wasn't available to us. We couldn't read it. We couldn't understand. We couldn't translate it unless you could read Russian. But he he translated all that. And as a result of his translation, he produced a manuscript. So that was in preparation for his PhD. So as you know, with a PhD, you have to do a tremendous amount of reading and research and have all the science at your, at your fingertips. Well, he'd done that and he shared that with me and we produced a book called Magnetic Therapy in Eastern Europe, a Review of 30 Years of Research. So that's the first book I wrote, or co-wrote. And that was, it's more technical. It's a much more technical book. So it's written again from a PhD perspective on the science of magnetic field therapy. So I then became aware of all the different studies and the science to support it. And I had hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We had information. We had science to back up what I was seeing clinically. And that kind of blew the doors open on, on the house. And I started, I started getting magnetic devices from Eastern, from, well, Eastern Europe, but also from Germany and other places in Europe and started using them more extensively. So fast forward now, today, as of today, I've been working with magnetic field therapy for about 30 years and have found that it does just amazing things. So after doing that for probably about, uh, I'll say 10 or 15 years, I set up a website, drpollock.com, D-R-P-A-W-L-U-K.com, drpollock.com. And that was going to be my living book about magnetic field therapy. But over the years, you discover the limitations of websites and how much content you could put on a blog or how much content you could put on a page, etc. So that, that was limiting. And also, you had to jump around to different parts of the website to find the information. In other words, you couldn't read a, basically like read a story. So I was encouraged to publish a book, put it all together into a book, including a lot of the science, and that book became Power Tools for Health. So Power Tools for Health had 500 references. So now we have significant scientific basis behind magnetic field therapy. It's not my guess, it's not my experience, it's that too, but now I also had a lot of science behind it. And then, then that book was much more practical. Uh, that book was a lot more sort of theoretical. It's still practical enough, but not as practical as people wanted. And as a result, that ended up producing uh, over time. Then became uh, the third book, which is Supercharge Your Health with PEMF Therapy. And that book, I kind of dispensed with the science. I didn't provide the references. I didn't want to bore people with science that they could go back to super to Power Tools for Health to find. And the problem with the science with magnetic field therapy is like is medicine doesn't see it. Doctors don't see it. There are no, very few advocates for it that basically have any kind of public positioning. Uh, it's not taught in medical schools. So there are no champions. And the science is all over the place. And often, like my book was written, the first book, it's in obscure journals. It's in, you know, not big journals like JAMA or um, Scientific American or... Uh, the New England Journal of Medicine. It's in smaller journals because those are the only ones that would publish this kind of uh, information. So I had to put all that together into that first book. Now, again, I don't want to bore people with that kind of information. So the new book, Supercharge Your Health, is a lot more practical. And the biggest problem that people have with magnetic field therapy, when you go to drpollock.com or if you go on the internet, you will be completely confused because there are so many people making so many claims. And their particular machine is the best machine you could possibly have. Don't think about any other machine. 
right? But they're not going to tell you the science. They're not going to tell you how that machine compares to another machine and how you use that machine for a particular problem. Or are there better machines for a particular problem? So as a medical doctor, if you came to me as a patient, I would say, well, here's what your problem is. Here's what your solutions are. And here's what I recommend as, as the best solution for you. And then, of course, you're going to go back and you're going to do your own research and figure out what's, what, what, which of the solutions that I'm recommending to you, you're going to apply for yourself. So a big part of what I do then is to consult with people to tell them, based on their needs, what equipment is going to work the best. And essentially, that's what the Supercharge Your Health um, with PMF Therapy book does. It gives you templates. It says, here's, you have whole body magnetic systems, you have local small little magnetic systems, you have very high intensity systems, you have very low intensity systems, and all of that then leads to a plan, basically a protocol for you. So that's sort of like how I got here. One thing that I uh, really liked about what you just explained is when you have patients come to you, you provide multiple potential solutions and then you allow them to then go and put some research time in and figure out what might be the best solution to them because you recognize that there is no one size fits all solution for the entire population. And I do think that that needs to become more of a standard compared to the direction things are kind of going right now. There needs to be multiple solutions for different things. But I wanna go back to uh, what you were talking about with acupuncture, um, needles and how you are using magnets and i'm curious is there a way and i don't know if this has been done already or not to magnetize the needles that they use in acupuncture and then utilize that in a way to make it the acupuncture what they're doing with acupuncture even more profound because now they're using the needles and they're using specific magnets for specific things yeah there are some people who actually do that who do magnetize the needles I don't think that works that well. Actually, it's probably better and easier to electrify a needle mm. than to magnetize a needle. And the reason for that is that the ma magnetizing a needle uh, is not going to produce a very strong magnetic field. So if you have different kinds of different sizes of magnets, people have played with magnets. You get big block magnets, you have little horseshoe magnets, you have the little fridge magnets, you have the flap magnets, you have all kinds of magnets. And the key, the principle to magnetic field therapy is the intensity of the magnetic field. There's a lot of people talking about the frequencies, and I tell people that the people who talk about frequencies and ignore the intensity don't have anything to talk about about intensity. All they can talk about is the frequency. But the people who have high intensity don't need frequency anywhere near as much. So frequency is less important than the intensity. And that's based on a law of physics called Faraday's law. So to go back to your question, yes, you can magnetize a needle. It's not going to work as well. What I found, though, is that, an that a magnet on an acupuncture point actually acts like acupuncture. Hmm. It's been discovered and proven that magnetic fields, that, I'm sorry, that uh, acupuncture points and meridians are actually a DC current system. So the Chinese call it qi because they didn't have a way to explain charge in the body or charge flows in the body. They couldn't even explain what a nerve conduction. They didn't have the language to be able to explain how a nerve conducts. So they use the word chi. Now chi, magnet, uh, uh, acupuncture may do other things other than chi because people, you can treat acupuncture points just by doing uh, hands-on. 
healing with your hands, like Qigong, essentially. And Qigong is basically um, introducing electrical, the body's bioelectrical activity into the body on an acupuncture point or meridian. And you can move energy that way too. It's very subtle, it's very uh, weak. It's not strong, it's not powerful at all. And it's also unpredictable. Magnetic fields are predictable. You can stimulate uh, acupuncture points with electricity. That's much more predictable in its effects than Qigong is or hands-on healing is. So yes, it's a good idea. And I discovered early on that using magnets on acupuncture points is not the important thing. Because what happens is acupuncture works very indirectly. You stimulate an acupuncture point, right? And then that point is going to increase the energy traffic flowing through the meridian system. In other words, it's, it's like a boosting the wattage, right, in something. Boosting the wattage in a lamp. You have the lamp that's got three settings to it, right? So it's increasing the, the uh, charge, the current flowing through the, uh, the lamp, and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Well, you could do the same thing with, with magnets. You could do the same thing with electricity. So it's much stronger than the natural approach. Again, acupuncture has a thousands of year history because those are the only tools we had available. Electroacupuncture is a relatively recent phenomenon. Only the last 20, 30 years have people been using electroacupuncture to get even better results. But acupuncture still only works very indirectly, basically amplifying and balancing the electrical systems of the body, the charges of the body. Um, but it's subtle. And acupuncture, I discovered early, 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 is it doesn't heal the tissue. When I put a magnet on an acupuncture point, I'm not only getting the acupuncture effect, I'm also getting a direct tissue healing action. And that's, that's very important. And so but that's one of the reasons I kind of left acupuncture behind for the most part. Still use those principles, but use magnetic field therapy because I can do a lot more with it. I can reach into a lung, like I said with COVID, long haul syndrome. I can get a magnetic field and go right into the lung and heal the lung directly. I can heal the brain directly. So I can still do all the things that acupuncture does, or most of the things that acupuncture does, but in addition, I now have the ability to heal the tissue. Now, I don't heal it. The magnetic field uh, helps the body to heal it. Fascinating. So when it comes to PMF, is that a combination of electricity and magnets, or is it one or the other? Okay, so let's describe what a PEMF is. Because I'm sure that people don't even know what the term is. Mm -hmm. The term means pulsed electromagnetic fields. So basically, it's a magnetic field that's pulsing. And so it's basically going in and out. Let's make the distinction right away, right off, right from the get-go, about the difference between EMFs that everybody hears about, 5G and all that, right? And PEMFs. So it, they both have EMF in the term. EMF is basically what we call open loop. It's broadcast into the environment. The wavelengths go on forever, essentially, right? They, they're go, going out completely into the environment. And what they do then in the environment, it's like, it's like um, radio signals, it's like television signals and radar. It just keeps on going into the environment. And that's important because then it depends on the wavelength. So if, if, you, have, if you have a cell phone, the wavelength is extraordinarily short, which means that the body absorbs it. That's the principle behind microwave ovens. 
the wavelengths are very, very short. You put something in the oven, whether it's fluid or, or organic tissue, and the magnetic field, the um, EMF, basically is absorbent of the tissue and heats it. And so basically, it's basically damaging the tissue. It's cooking the tissue. So a cell phone is microwaves. That's the problem with cell phones, microwaves. So if you put a cell phone to your ear and you whole have a conversation with a cell phone right next to your ear, when you take the cell phone away, you'll see that the ear is bright red. The longer you've had it there, the, the brighter the, the redness is going to be. And you look at the opposite ear, and it's going to be a bit redder than it was before you started that conversation, but not as red as the one that you were holding the, micro, the um, cell phone to. So what were you doing with the cell phone? Why did the ear turn red? You were cooking the tissue. Now, it's not, it's not as potent as a microwave oven, but you were actually heating the tissue, and that's why the ear turned red. Hmm. You see this all the time. So that's the distinction between EMFs. PEMFs are designed be, by, by virtue of another principle of physics called the right-hand rule. So if you've got current flowing through a wire, let's say the, my thumb is the direction of the wire and the current flowing through the wire, so it's flowing in that direction. Automatically, through a principle of physics, you develop a magnetic field around it. So every time the current pulses, every pulse of the current in that wire produces a magnetic field like that. It's perpendicular to the flow of the current. And it goes out and comes back, and out and comes back. So it's not a wavelength at all. It's not going out. It is going out in the atmosphere, but only going out as far as that the strength of the magnetic field is of that wire, the current flowing through the wire. So it's, it's very safe. Now, when you put it up against the body, that current's going to go through the body like that, but it goes out and collapses back, and out and collapses back. And that magnetic field, as it moves through the body, then uses another principle of physics, as I mentioned, called Faraday's law, which means it's inducing charge in the body. Because the body is basically a battery. It's what I call electrolyte soup. It's not even water. It's electrolyte soup. And because it's got electrolytes in it, electrolytes hold charge. And when you pass a magnetic field through something that's got charge, they interact with each other to amplify the amount of charge even more. And so that's what the magnetic fields are doing then in the body. They pass completely through. They don't stay inside. They don't get used up. The magnetic field ignores the body. If you put a body between a magnetic field and a measurement tool to measure the magnetic field, and you take the body away, there's no difference, zero difference. Because the magnetic field considers the body air. Whether it's muscle or bone or nerves or brain or blood or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's air. But that charge moving through the body, the magnetic field moving through the body, starts all these processes in the body, which then kind of wakes everything up and initiates all kinds of healing processes in the tissues. So that's the difference. So a PEMF is a pulsed electromagnetic field that's specifically designed for health purposes. An EMF is designed for communication purposes. Or in some situations, it's actually designed to, tip, to kill tissue, to heat it and kill it, like warts or cancers or you know um, ner damaged nerves that you have to destroy the nerve. And you can use high-frequency magnetic fields, i.e. EMFs, to actually destroy that tissue. So that's a very limited application and done on purpose. But for the most part, PEMFs are positive. They're, they're healing. Extraordinarily safe because they don't stay in the body. 
they just move right on through. Interesting. So th that brought up a, a question I've never really thought about before. The, um, the number of people that are chronically dehydrated, they're drinking tons of sodas and coffees and all that type of stuff, so they don't have as much fluids in their body compared to people that spend more time drinking water and hydrating. Um, if you're more hydrated, does that make the PEMF more effective? And also, if you're more hydrated, does that make the harmful impacts of EMFs uh, stronger? Um, so the answer is yes, hydration is important. Because as you can imagine, trying to move a charge through mud versus moving a charge through water. Mm -hmm. Right? So you can move it a lot faster through, uh, through fluids that are uh, more dilute. So the answer to your question is yes. If you're dehydrated, you're not going to move charge as well. Now, how big is this difference? I don't know. My suspicion is you'd have to be so dehydrated to really notice that the magnetic field is not working. Because you still have all the ions in there. It's just that charge doesn't move as quickly through that tissue. So for example, when I go like this with my arm, just flexing my arm like that causes charge to move through my tissues at the rate of 30 meters per second. So how dehydrated do you have to become for that to go down to say 15 meters per second? You have to be extraordinarily dehydrated. So pr practically speaking, yes, it's important, but it's not like critical. To, to this being able to work. So we are basically electrolyte soup, we're basically uh, water electrolyte soup within a shell, a skin shell. We're just a big bag of water. Hmm. And that means you can you easily move charge through that, through, through all that fluid. So then when you're doing a PEMF, is it the, the changes you're trying to get in the body, is that based off of time under the PMF? Um, or how does that work? Is it the frequency? Is it what what's going on to be able to get deeper into the system, be able to target specific things, and actually make lasting change? So the goal with PMF therapy, my goal with PMF therapy, is not just to help you with your symptoms. You can, I can give you aspirin or codeine to, or other, other drugs to actually numb you and dumb you, as I call it, so you don't feel it. It doesn't heal anything, but you don't feel pain. So you may be very happy with that, but you're not very smart if you're not looking to try to actually remove the cause of the pain or heal the tissue that's causing the problem, right? So the goal is always to heal, and that's what you're trying to do with magnetic field therapy is to heal as much as you possibly can. So healing is the critical part of this. And then the magnetic fields, by stimulate all these actions in the body, they have in, the, um, in both books, I describe the, the actions of magnetic fields and what they do. For example, improving circulation, increasing stem cells, increasing ATP, uh, decreasing swelling, stimulating the healing and regeneration of tissue. So all of that is contributed to by these, all the different actions of the body is induced by the magnetic field moving through the body. So the goal is, is healing. And then the time that it takes to heal is going to depend on person. It's going to depend on their age. It's going to depend on the severity of the problem. It's going to depend on the tissue. So for example, corneas heal in 24 hours. 
skin cells take three, five, three, three to five, six weeks, depending on the depth of the damage in, this, in the tissue. Bones can take years. So even though a fracture, you can use a bone that's been fractured 12 weeks after you fracture it, take the cast off and you can use the bone. When you do x-rays or you do CT scans on that bone, that fracture site, you'll still see the damage years later. It takes a long time for certain tissues, ligaments, tendons, nerves, they take a long time to heal. So some tissues heal much more quickly, other tissues take a long time. So depending on the problem, depending on how severe it is, the more damage that's been done and the longer the damage has been there, then the longer it takes to heal that tissue. So you have to then combine what I call the dose. And the dose of the magnetic field is the intensity of the magnetic field and the treatment time. And then how often you repeat it. So do you need, do you need five minutes a day? And there are people who are promoting magnetic field therapy with whole body magnetic systems that are very weak. One Gauss. So Gauss is a measure of magnetic field intensity, G-A-U-S-S. -S. One Gauss, and they're saying all you need is eight minutes. That is total non-physiologic sales crap. Seriously. So if you broke your arm, what's eight minutes a day going to do for you? Not much. Not much, right? I'll give you a story. My, my wife actually broke her toe, little toe, on some blonde furniture. So it was bruised, it was swollen, it was black and blue, it was painful, of course. And so uh, we got her a small magnetic system. All she had to do was put it right on her toe. And she wore it 24-7. So she did this about midday. She wore the magnetic system 24-7, uh, basically continuously. Woke up the next morning, all the swelling is gone, all the bruising is gone, and the pain is gone. But, you know, if it's a fracture, then you have to protect it because you, you disturb the fracture and it won't heal. So normally in that situation, what we do is put people in a platform shoe, a very flat shoe that you can't bend, and then wrap, wrap the foot. Uh, then it's going to take two to six weeks for that to feel better. Well, she continued the, the treatment after the next morning. She continued it for another 24 hours and then walked a mile in tennis shoes. Then continued it for another 24 hours. So basically, like the third day, she walked three miles in tennis shoes and that was it. But she was doing the treatment 24-7. Now there's another story um, that's important to understand. And magnetic field therapy was approved by the government, by the FDA, to heal fractures that wouldn't heal. So some, a small percentage of fractures don't heal. And those are called non-unions. So there's no union of the fracture. They don't, parts don't meet and unite, heal. Uh, so those non-unions are disasters. There's no good solutions for them. So what happens is they discovered NYU, at NYU, uh, New York University, they discovered magnetic field therapy stimulates the fractures to heal. So they got, the they got approval from the FDA for these non-union fractures and found that magnetic fields could take a fracture that has not been healed for seven years and kickstarts the healing process. And in those cases, those people are using the magnetic field therapy for four to 12 hours a day. So a fracture that's been there for years, hasn't healed, nothing that medicine could do for it, uh, all of a sudden starts to heal, and within six months to a year, it's healed. Hmm. So why? Because the magnetic field is stimulating all kinds of processes, all those different actions that I mentioned, and more in the body are activated by the magnetic field and then the body uses that energy then to heal itself, to do what it couldn't finish doing. 
So the time that it takes depends on all those different factors that I mentioned. And generally speaking, the higher the intensity of the magnetic field and the deeper that you have to work in the body. So the deeper you have to work in the body requires a higher intensity magnetic field. The very superficial body systems that are about one gauss, that they tell you you only need eight minutes or 10 minutes a day, those systems don't deliver the energy deep enough into the body. What they're basically doing is they're basically working on the acupuncture system, which is a very superficial electrical system in the skin. So if you take a weak magnetic field and you apply it to the skin, you're gonna activate the acupuncture system, but you're not doing tissue healing. And so again, my goal as a physician is to try to heal your tissue, heal the cause, heal the, make the body whole again, not just make you feel better. So is there a way to overdo it? Like you had mentioned with the little toe, um, it was on 24 seven. Once an area is healed, can it continue to stimulate it too much to build up even more bone tissue? No, hallelujah. One of the principles of magnetic field therapy is that healthy cells ignore the magnetic fields. Mm. So magnetic field therapy, as I said, does acupuncture type um, processes, stimulates acupuncture systems in the body. So acupuncture basically causes what we call homeostasis, rebalancing. So once the tissues are rebalanced, they don't need you anymore, right? If they go out of balance again, then you got to stimulate again. So theoretically, you know, we need stimulation every single day. Um, when do you stop aging? When you die. When you die. <laughs> right. So you don't age until you, you don't age until about age 24. So the aging curve is sort of like this. At age, at, at age 24, you pretty well have plateaued. And from then on, you're, you hope you're basically flat. In other words, you're repairing and breaking down at the same rate. Mm -hmm. About age 40, we begin to notice our creaks and rattles. We begin to. Now, if you are a professional sports player, professional football player, your creaks and rattles are going to happen a lot sooner. The more stress you place on your body, these high-performance athletes, you know, the weekend warriors that are going to go out and climb mountains and fall off cliffs and so on. Well, you know, they're putting their bodies at significant risk and they're stressing their bodies a lot. They're going to age much faster. So that means that you have to do a lot more work. But these, let's say the average person um, starts to notice their aging about age 40 and then it gradually it's downhill. So the question is whether it's flat, whether you're relatively neutral between age 40 and age whenever you're going to die, uh, let's say of natural causes. But that is not flat. Nobody's ever flat. It's always a it's always a slope. And the question is how steep is that slope? So what you're doing with magnetic field therapy then is by, by virtue of waking everything up and stimulating repair processes, then you're repairing stuff that you didn't even know needed repairing. And that's what aging is. You know, you find out after the fact that you're aging. Mm -hmm. You don't know that you're aging while you're aging. <laughs> right? Yep. So um, is PMF much different than ultrasound? Yes. Yeah. But there are similar principles. Ultrasound is sound waves that are penetrating into the body. Uh, and like magnetic field therapy, they also drop off very rapidly in intensity. So cold, light, sound, heat, uh, magnetic fields, radiation, sun, light exposure, etc. All of these drop off very rapidly according to a law of physics called the inverse square law. So it's not a linear drop. 
It's a logarithmic drop. It's extraordinarily rapid. So, for example, a 4,000 Gauss magnetic field will decrease down to about 15 Gauss in four inches. Mm. So 4,000 goes to 15 in four inches. So if you're trying to treat across a brain and you need 15 Gauss on the other side of the brain, at least through the whole volume of the brain, but for sure to go all the way across to the other side to deliver 15 Gauss, you're going to need 4,000 Gauss. So if you start with 8 Gauss or 10 Gauss or 1 Gauss, how far is that going to go? You're not even delivering 15 to start with. Right? So you, yes, you have to have the right intensity magnetic field to, to do that process to, to, to help to heal it. So ultrasound stimulates the tissues in, in a similar kind of way, but it uses sound waves to do that. Magnetic, electro and magnetic go hand in glove. Where there's a charge, where there's electricity, you have magnetic fields. And magnetic fields and electricity are hand in glove. They go, they work together constantly. So magnetic fields induce charge, and charge produces magnetic fields. That's why we call it electromagnetic, and it's the it's the second force of the universe. So everything, everything is electromagnetic. You are an electromagnetic being. Your brain produces magnetic fields that we can actually measure. Your heart produces magnetic fields that we can actually measure. Most of the magnetic fields produced by the body are extraordinarily weak. And that's why when you apply an external magnetic field of the right intensity for the right amount of time, right, uh, done often enough for the problem that you're dealing with, then you, you initiate healing. Right, so you need the right dose, and you have to account for that that slope. Can uh, PEMFs remove um, unwanted tissues or bone or anything? For example, I have a I had a wrist injury, and my body naturally fused a couple of the smaller bones in the wrist uh, together just to protect the area. So, could yeah. I use PEMF to um, remove that fusion that my body did? So. Uh, and medically speaking, we call that remodeling. Mm. So in other words, the body remodeled itself to produce the excess tissue. And that's, a, that's typically a reaction from um, too much inflammation in the tissue and you, over, you exaggerate the healing response. And we have people with keloids, what are called keloids, where the skin is overreacted. You have people with, with uh, surgical wounds where the skin is what we call hypertrophic and overreacted. So if you do magnetic field therapy in those situations, then like acupuncture, the magnetic field therapy begins to control the process. It doesn't exaggerate the process. It rebalances the whole process. Now, after the fact, now we talked about non-unions. That's a consequence of a fracture that didn't heal properly. In your case, you had a fracture that didn't heal properly because it had an exaggerated healing response. Now, let's talk about bone that way. If you, in order to heal bone or to change bone, it's like remodeling a house or a building. You have to take out the, the stuff that you don't want anymore and you have to put new stuff in. So if you have too much bone, then the body has to take that, re, take that bone down, has to exchange it, has to turn it over. And in osteoporosis and osteopenia, we call that process osteoblasts and osteoclasts. So osteoclasts break down bone. So they help to remodel the bone, to reshape it, and then you have to regenerate, you have to generate new bone to replace it. And that process is happening continuously. It's not, first I do this and then I do that. It's like they go together. 
Um, and so whether it can or it can't depends on your body. Depends on the magnetic field that you're using, how often you use it, how long you use it. Now, magnetic field therapy does not raise the dead. Unfortunately, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, we can help the near dead, but not the dead dead. Um, so uh, I don't know. The answer to the question is you'd have to try and find out whether it would remodel it. But I can tell you right now, it's going to take years. Yeah. Because you didn't get here overnight. You've had this, it's been there for a long time. So now with this right stimulus, it's possible that the, gradually over time, that bone will actually remodel and you'll, uh, you'll be able to heal. Because we use something like this principle in osteoporosis. So women who have lose bone density, it's very hard to replace lost bone. It's easier to build new bone than it is to replace lost bone. So what we're trying to do then is to stop the, the progression of the loss of the bone. And if we can stop the progression, then the body may have a chance to catch up to itself if a person lives long enough. Is there any instances when you shouldn't use PEMF? There are many. There are not many. Uh, one of the key contraindications for uh, PEMF therapy is, um, well, not really a contraindication because that's changing as well. We used to tell people that anything implanted that's electronic, like pacemakers. So if it's implanted electronic equipment, because the electronic equipment can be affected by magnetic fields. So you don't want to turn off your electronics with a magnetic system. And I've had that happen to some patients. So that's one contraindication. But it's not a contraindication anymore so much, because now we have what are called MR or MRI conditional electronics. So in other words, they're designed now to be able to withstand the intensity of a, an MRI machine magnetic field. Mm. So if you have an MR conditional device, then you're pretty safe because you can go up to about 1.5 Tesla, which is 15,000 Gauss with, with relatively low, low risk or almost no risk. So that's one contraindication. The other one, the, the most probably one of the other most important contraindications is if you've had an uh, organ replacement. If you've had a transplant and that doesn't matter whether it's corneas or kidneys or heart or lungs you know if you had an organ replacement because what happens is you're on immune suppression because usually these organ replacements are from other people or from animals in that case the animal and your body or the other person's tissue in your body don't recognize each other and the body starts to fight it so what we do is everybody goes on immune suppression and so magnetic fields can stimulate immunity positively, but you're shifting the immunity and you can't predict how it's going to shift. So I usually say, no, not for transplants. The other contraindication that you hear about all the time is pregnancy. And that's not a contraindication, but we can't tell you it's safe because there's no good research to pr prove that it's safe. And it's still gonna be very dependent on the magnetic field system that you're using. So I certainly have lots and lots of people who have used magnetic field therapies through pregnancies without a problem but they need to understand we don't know what the risks are. We also know that women get pregnant and work around MRI machines. And you're talking about huge intensities. You're talking about 20,000, 40,000 uh, Gauss magnetic fields. And they continue working there. They're not put, uh, let go or uh, you know, uh, told that they can't do th that job. So we know that they're, they're pretty safe even in that setting. So generally speaking, it's probably okay but you need to know that you have to make a choice. You're gonna take that risk or not, depending on the problem that you're treating.
Perfect. Can you give us one good example of your favorite situation or um, uh, one of the most profound situations that you've seen at PEMF working on? Well, again, I could have tons of stories, but I'll give you two that I usually, that I usually uh, uh, tell people. One is I had a three-year-old girl who literally cut off the end of her thumb in a door jam, just, just past the joint. So in other words, she cut it off just underneath the, the nail. And the father calls me and he said, what do I do, what do I do? And they still had the piece that came off. And they, I told them, have the surgeon put it back on. Just sew it back on. I'd heard, anecdotally, I'd heard that in the UK, sometimes when, when children who have that kind of injury, they will put it on and the children will regrow. So I said, you got nothing to lose. If she, if it's lost, in other words, it doesn't work, it doesn't graft, then you're back to where you started. Yeah. So let's see what happens. So she treated her thumb with a small magnetic field, just like, like, like my wife is using for her fracture. She did the same thing for an hour and a half to three hours a day. And I have pictures of that in my uh, Power Tools for Health book. Literally, within 12 weeks, she was regrowing her nail. Wow. You could see the first picture. They put it back on again. It's, it's black because there's no blood supply. You know, it was torn off. And so with that kind of stimulation, she was able to regenerate that tissue within 12 weeks. That was, that's probably the, the most dramatic thing that I've, ever, that I've seen. The second case was a, a gentleman who was in his 50s. So I, I did holistic medicine, and um, he was brought to me because his employee, who, who was managing his apartment building, um, was told had diabetes, and his legs were blue, black and blue from the knees down. So he had diabetic gangrene. He had no blood, had limited blood supply from the knees down. So the surgeons said, "Well, we don't have any choice. We're going to have to do amputations, both sides, below the knees." So panic, 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 of course, right? Um, and uh, so they came in to see me. I didn't want to take him on as a patient because I thought the last thing I need is to, for these legs to get infected. Mm-hmm. They get infected, he'll develop sepsis, shut down his kidneys, and his lights out. And it'll happen on my watch while I'm trying to do something that the surgeon said, you can't do that, you have to cut off your legs. So we agreed to, to work together. He agreed to go on a diet. He cut out his drinking, cut out his smoking, went on a bunch of supplements, and started magnetic field therapy intensively. And uh, long story short, three months later, he goes back to his surgeon, and the surgeon says, oh, I guess we don't need to amputate. So the first story was an amputation that (laughs) helped itself. The second story was somebody who didn't need an amputation. That's amazing. And there, are plenty, there are plenty of stories. So that's kind of what we what we can do with magnetic field therapy is we can regenerate, we can generate and heal tissue. Let me give you something, another piece of information that's really important, and many of your listeners may or may not know about this. How many cells do we have in our bodies? A lot. <laughs> Let's say 100 trillion cells. Let that number sink in. 100 trillion cells. All right. Every single cell has about 2,000 biochemical processes per second. So how much treatment should you be doing? Good question. Well, that's, that's right. That's a good question. So all of those cells, if they're starting to 
wind down and not doing their jobs adequately, then they need help. So how much treatment do you need? You need as much as you need. You need as much as it's going to take to do the work that you're going to need. And magnetic field therapy by itself is not necessarily going to be that finish the job completely. So magnetic field therapy may not finish the job completely because you still need, you can't build a house without bricks and mortar. You need the nutrition. You need the nutrients in your body. You need the proper rest. You can't be abusing your body. So you have to have the tools to rebuild. You have to have the, the, um, the nutrients that you need, the supplies that you need to rebuild. You need to have the people, the resources to be able to do the rebuilding. So magnetic field therapy does, supplies the resources. No, the body supplies the resources. The magnetic field therapy is like adding charge electricity to a power tool. That's why the first book is called Power Tools for Health. It's the power that you bring to the project. The body is the project. And so you you need all of that to be able to heal properly. And uh, magnetic field therapy is amazing, but it's not enough by itself. So you have all those cells doing their 2,000 biochemical processes per second. Absolutely fascinating. I'm actually surprised I haven't heard more about PEMFs. And I guess that goes back to what you were saying before, where it's not really taught in medical school or anything like that. So it's just been off of my radar and sounds like it's absolutely amazing. So I'm glad that you brought it up and now it is on my radar. Uh, your book is Supercharge Your Health with PEMF Therapy. And I'm assuming that can be found anywhere books are sold. So, um, well, number one, your audience, we're going to give you these links and your, you can put them in your show notes. So there's going to be a link to show you that you can get, download the 80 conditions that, that I have in the book that magnetic field therapy has been shown to help. That's a very simple list of 80 conditions if you're, if you're interested. The second link is to uh, be, uh, to be able to order the book. So you can just order the book online or you can go to drpollock.com and you'll be able to, we'll be putting a link on there shortly that'll bring you over to Amazon. And then what you'll be able to do, once you make your purchase, you're gonna basically be making a verified purchase and then you'll be brought back to drpollock.com and given the opportunity to sign up for a, a three and a half hour course on magnetic field therapy. And that's free. It's about a $200, $300 value that you get for free. So you can buy the book on drpollock.com or you can buy it on Amazon and we encourage you to buy it on Amazon. And then please leave us a, a review once you've uh, got your book and read it. Uh, and then on top of that, the last thing is that if you're serious, if you have significant health issues and you're serious about magnetic field therapy, I mean, if all you're willing to spend is $25, forget about it. You can go out and buy a fridge magnet, and that probably help you just as much. But if you have significant health issues and you're willing to spend $4,000, $5,000 on a machine, then we provide people consultations. I do consultations, and I have two other doctors who work with me who uh, do consultations. So we'll go, go through your history and what you need, what you're looking to do, and um, what your problems are, and then we'll give you some recommendations for equipment. Then once you get your equipment, we provide you training materials on how to use it, and then we support you, we continue to support you as long as you own your equipment, or as long as we're still on this planet. 
Perfect, Dr. Pollock. Um, my final question for you is what is your vision of what healthy looks like and what are three things you do daily to reach that vision? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good um, question about what, is, what does healthy look like? Um, I know people with amputations. Are they healthy? So Could be. what we have to do is to create the best balance we can in the presence of imbalance. And as I said, after age 40, we're all going downhill. It's only a question of you know how fast and how much. So health is basically just keeping up, doing, being able to do what you want to do in life, creating what you want to create in life, you know, living life the way you want to live your life, not somebody else's vision of what you should be doing to live your life, but your vision for what you should be doing to live your life. If you can do that, that that's healthy, right? Because even with an amputation, you have to find a way to live your life. And that nobody wants an amputation, right? So that's healthy. So what do you need to do? What do I do to stay healthy? Um, I get plenty of rest. I take tons of supplements. Do a lot of different supplements to do different things in the body. And there's lots of formulas out there. And I, you know, we don't want to spend time with it. 20 different supplements that I take a day. So rest. Um, having a positive attitude. I mean, being optimistic. I have, I guess myself, I happen to be an optimistic person. If you're a pessimist, then I would say that you got a problem. And if you're a pessimist, that's okay. The first thing to do is to recognize you're a pessimist. And then once you recognize you're a pessimist, then you have to change your attitude. Because pessimists die younger. Their bodies are, are stressed all the time. Everything stresses pessimists. Nothing is rosy. Not, there's no good opportunities out there. Right? Is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? So if you have an if you have an if you're an amputee, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? And we see a lot of these uh, you know soldiers who are, are amputees, and you know yeah they're in shock for quite a while. But you know they realize that after some point I can't just I just can't just sit around and mope about my status. And the best ones that live the best the longest are the ones that actually get out there and start living life and finding a way to deal with their, their limitations. So if you're a pessimist, that's a limitation. Change your limitation. So sleep, so adequate rest, proper nutrition, so you, you, uh, basically a, an anti-inflammatory diet, mostly. And then plenty of hydration um, and, a, and a positive attitude. And lastly, magnetic field therapy. So everybody should be doing magnetic field therapy. I did an interview with Dr. Mercola. At the end of the interview, he said, you know what? I now realize that everybody should own a PMF system. Everybody. Because uh, aging doesn't sleep. All those one tri 100 trillion cells need help on a regular basis. And if you, don't, if you don't help them regularly without even knowing what needs help, then you're going to be able to slow down that process. Let's go back to that analogy if you have, if you have a minute. If you, if you have, um, your body's developing a hangnail and your left little toe, how many cells have to be damaged before you notice 
that there's a hangnail. Enough to irritate you? Millions. Enough to irritate you. Perfect answer. Perfect answer. Enough to irritate you. So in other words, we have to get the irritation level up to a certain level before finally we recognize that there's a problem. But in the meantime, you've got millions of cells that are damaged. Millions of cells that are struggling to be healthy. Right? And then what you do is when you get your hangnail, you treat it. Right? And then cross your fingers that it doesn't come back. But then there's another problem in another part of the body, another problem in another part of the body. So what you're doing then with magnetic field therapy is you're taking care of business at the cell level before it gets to a point where it can't repair itself. So if you have enough cells accumulating that can't repair themselves, that's when you notice there's a problem. So our nervous systems, our sensory systems are very blunt because we have 100 trillion cells in our body. You can't listen to 100 trillion cells. And we can barely listen to uh, 6 billion people on this planet. <laughs> right? So what happens then is magnetic field therapy is taking care of stuff that you'll never know it helped, especially if you're doing it every day. Now, I don't know, you, you can't do it all day, every day, but if you did an hour or half an hour twice a day, I mean, if we go out and exercise or jog, what's more important, exercising or jogging or doing magnetic field therapy? Both. Well, yeah, ideally both. <laughs> You're absolutely correct, ideally both. It's not one or the other. It's like that the guy with the, the gangrene in his legs. He had to do multiple things at the same time in order to be able to get to a point where he didn't need to, need to have his amputations. So ideally both. What we don't recognize is that magnetic field therapy is going to give you that extra edge. And I've learned over the years as well, comparing and using all kinds of systems, ultrasound, infrared, uh, laser, um, ozone, oxygen, all these things are, are a piece of a puzzle. But I found over the years, because of what the magnetic field therapy does in the body, um, it's the best value. If you're going to get one system, and if you already have all these other systems, then that's fine. You can add this to what you have. But if you don't have anything else yet, except nutrition, hopefully lifestyle, etc., if you don't have anything yet, magnetic field therapy is probably the next thing you should add. And it's worth making the investment. So don't buy cheap. You buy cheap, you get cheap. And when it comes to health, Buying cheap is not a good idea. Nope. Not at all. Well, Dr. Pollock, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm very glad that you came onto the show. Um, I'm I'm super excited to look more into PEMF and see uh, all the different applications and especially how you're doing it. And again, the book that you have is Supercharge Your Health with PEMF Therapy. And you got your other couple of books as well if you want to dive deeper into a lot of the scientific studies, etc. So Dr. The Pollock, web, thank the, web, the website, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The website also has a huge amount of resources and that's free. Yep. Perfect. And that's drpollock.com. And all that will be in the show notes. So if people want to go check out the show notes, then head on over to summitforwellness.com slash 172. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Pollock, for coming on to the show. I appreciate having you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Again, resources for this episode can be found at summitforwellness.com slash 172. And in those resources, you'll see the different books that Dr. Pollock has written and um, some links to different devices and whatnot that you can look into if you want to learn more about the PEMF.
Also, again, if you do want to get some electrolytes to improve your own hydration, then head on over to summitforwellness.com LMNT and get a box or two of their raspberry um, flavored element. It's absolutely delicious. I like it. Uh, the nice thing about electrolytes is you can dilute it. So if it's a little strong for your taste buds, then just dilute it with more water and um, then it won't be as strong. Very simple. Um, it comes in nice little packets that you can carry with you. We take them backpacking all the time. We take them wherever we go. We're always using them. So again, summitforwellness.com slash LMNT. Next week, I have Sandra Kaufman on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what we'll be talking about. I'm here with Sandra Kaufman. Hey, Sandra, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? <laughs> I declared Versace dead. Oh, yeah? I did. Tell me more. Uh, I'm the only person to have stuck my hands through his head front to back, declared it a through and through gunshot wound, and decided he was dead and ceased CPR uh it jackson in miami a zillion years ago holy smokes that's probably one of the most unique things i've heard in these uh <laughs> questions wow well what will we be learning about in our our interview together which is the opposite of pronouncing someone dead <laughs> so we're going to talk about all of the reasons that you age which is a bit depressing and then we're going to talk about things that you can do to uh, decelerate the aging process and live happily ever after for as long as you want and what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? So I think that the things that should be in the drinking water include uh, magnesium 3 and 8, astaxanthin, and spermidine. Hmm. And health, uh, three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness. Ha! Read my book, go exercise, and finish the day with a glass of wine. Again, I've had quite a few people on talking about different anti-aging practices, and I'm really excited with the information that Dr. Kaufman was able to share with us. So until next week, keep climbing to the peak of your health.